right, golf nerds? Once again, it's time for Swing Thoughts. I'm told this is season eight, but I I can never confirm that. All I know is... getting the right data? All I know is this. I'm always grateful and excited to be part of the gang. Hanging out with my friend, Coach Tim. As you know, I'm golf spiritual leader. <laughs> oh, man. And, uh, well, you know what? I shouldn't even have to say it anymore. Like, once you've reached enlightenment, it's just, uh, it's like a vibe I give off. Was that um, like a Bodhi tree or something? And golf ball fell down? Yes, that's right. I'm, uh, working on golf dharma. Um, always a pleasure to be with you, STD, Swing Thought Devotees. We certainly appreciate your patronage. And speaking of which, we always appreciate the fact that TaylorMade Golf has stuck it out with us now for uh, many years. And um, I'm heading to uh, Mexico for a couple months. And I don't have all my new gear, but I do have some of it. And I saw a note from you, Timberly. Welcome, by the way. Um about the fact that the stealth embargo or the non uh, non disclosure of the NDA is over, and uh, it's time I guess people can have a look at the new stealth driver. Yeah, yeah, and, and thank you. It's good to be welcomed. Yeah, I love those NDAs and all that. It's like the top secret stuff. Yeah, I understand why they have to do it, but um, yeah, we can finally talk about it. So. I don't know, man. You've hit it. You've been. You were fitted with it. What was? Yeah. What's the top thing that strikes you about the new stealth driver? Versatility. I think it's. Uh, it's got a lot more. I'm not much of a gear guy, but it has a lot more variability. The weighting is different. There's a lot more. Um, they've given the golfer and the golfer's uh, coach, tech, or whatever, uh, a bit more opportunity to change things up. Um, I don't even have the uh, data in front of me in terms of. The different models. I will say that the uh, <laughs> the uh, the biggest difference between last year's stealth and this one is that the top of this one's shiny. So there, <laughs> there, there you go. Well, aesthetics. Oh, yeah. You know, aesthetics are important. You look down, and you go, "Oh, I like the way this looks." That's how you know you're listening to a different kind of golf show. That's about as deep as we get into tech. Yeah, the uh, the the shaft is blue, and the top of <laughs> it's it, shiny. And it's pretty. It's pretty. Uh, I was told, because uh, smarter people than me fit me, that um, you're going to see some gains in speed. But the biggest gain with the new Stealth is its forgivability. Is that even a word? Forgiveness. It is. We'll go with it. Doesn't matter. We can make up words. Okay. Well, anyway, if you need more information, uh, don't ask us, because clearly not qualified. But uh, do go check out TaylorMade.ca. And that's all the time we have for today. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, actually, that music says and means that we're about to introduce our next guest, who uh, you have a better memory for these things than I do. But he was one of our first guests. Like very early on in the incarnation of this thing that we do. Uh, this gentleman uh, was uh, kind enough to join us when, you know, before we were, uh, you know, one of the great podcasts of the golf world. And now, you know, now we're happy to have him back. He has uh, been named uh, PGA Teacher of the Year multiple times. He is uh, 
not only a fine golf instructor, but he's really one of the finest people you'll ever have a chance to spend any time with, and now runs his business out of a juggernaut known as the Burl Oak Indoor Golf, and we'll talk more about that, but uh, always a pleasure to welcome back our friend, Sean Aloysius Casey. (laughs) Fellas, thanks for having me. Case, what's going on there, son? Keeping busy, that's for sure. This is like, uh, you know, July in the summer golf business for us. January is uh, is a hopping time in indoor golf. That's for sure. We got a lot of a uh, lot of people coming in for the first time. You know, I guess they waited to get Christmas behind them, and they're starting their uh, 2023 improvement plan is uh, is in action. So they're working out. They're working on their swing, and and they're uh, they're coming in. So yeah, it's been been an exciting busy uh, couple weeks here well i want to get to the ins and outs the uh, ups and downs of indoor golf but tim you were telling me a couple weeks ago because i'd forgotten this that it was actually casey that brought us together yeah i'm gonna ask sean to tell the story uh, case remember i was writing some stories i was with you around working with some of your students about improvement stuff you told me about this guy uh humble howard and uh, so why don't you just take it from there I do remember. Um, I think I don't know if it was for the magazine back then, Tim, or what yeah. it was. Fairways, for. fairways, Fair, magazine. yeah. Um, and uh, you kind of said, "Hey, do you have any notable or, or you know interesting students that you'd like to highlight?" And uh, Howard's certainly a notable, exciting person <laughs> to uh, different experience teaching him than, than than anybody else. That's for sure. So I thought he'd be a a good guy to uh, to highlight as far as someone I was working with. Um, I work with, as you guys know, I work with a lot of junior golfers too. And I always kind of, it's like, I got all my kids and then I got Howard. He's like, <laughs> he's, he, he's like the big kid, <laughs> That's but, funny. Uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's, he's on a, he's in a different planet when it comes to my students. It's the kids, the adults and Howard. That's really funny. Uh, you know, nobody, nobody, uh, has more fun and digs in to every aspect of the game. Like Howard. So the conversations are fun when you work, you with guys them. keep it going. My doorbell just rang, yeah, go ahead. No but, uh, yeah. So I thought it would be good to, to highlight, uh, you Howard. I remember even went right out of the gate. We we're working on it. Just, we started going in every direction. Like swing. You were interested in, remember we went into the 3d lab. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, club fitting, you, you were get interested in your, your, uh, your fitness, your health. Uh, you, you wanted to improve mentally, you wanted to be better in your short game. You worked hard in your short game. You wanted to dig into course management. I introduced to Scott Fawcett. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, don't forget you also you also what? introduced me to the you uh, introduced me to the aim point guy. We did that aim together. Point. We did that. So yeah, you know it's just it's just been fun. It was it was fun out of the gate. It's still we still uh, talk about your golf and work together a little bit. And, um, yeah, I remember we introduced Tim, and then he wrote a story about you, and then you guys met and thought. You know what? And then I think you guys came up with your uh, That's right. podcast. Well, well, it's funny because I had known you for a while. I'm not sure how long. Uh, quite, actually, a couple of years we'd worked together. I'm, and I remember the guy that introduced me to you. I'd never heard of you. I'd been out of golf for about 10 years. And um, we weren't in the same sphere when I was at the National. I didn't really hang around club link courses. So I didn't really know who you were. And then our mutual friend, Tim, another Tim, said uh, i wanted to work on my game he says oh i'm working with this guy casey and right away i knew that you were the real thing not just because of the uh 
the knowledge base, but you know, you were open to other things. Not not a lot. Not every golf instructor wants to talk about all those things we just there was. And and by the way, (laughs) Casey's not kidding. Everything that you came up with, you would go away to the PGA show and come back and go, "Hey, Howard, I uh, first time I ever heard about Force Place was from you." Like anything that you came across, you would introduce to me because you know I'd be like, "Hey, I'll sure let's try that." <clears throat> anyway, um, I'm always happy to have you back. And uh, when, until Tim comes back, like off and on for ten years, you know, I'll drop in and hit some balls with you, and we'll go over some of the stuff. And it's interesting because we've been working on the same things uh, for a long time. Which, when we get into uh, the nuts and bolts of today, is kind of what I want to talk about because. The nature of change in general, as you know, is a very difficult thing. But the nature of change in golf, I don't know that players really understand just how hard it is to make even small changes and why working, because we used to work together when you were at, uh, at the Abbey indoors. But in those days, there weren't very many places to, um, to do what you do now. So maybe you could talk a little bit about two things today. The nature of change over time for a golfer and how important working in the off season is for players. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's uh, it, just to go back to Glen Abbey for a second. I mean, I, we, we made the most of that uh, burn, if you want to call it that. Um, had a little bit of technology in there. Ultimately, people got better. A lot of times they were hitting into a net off a mat. Like you're literally hitting into a net. There's, there's nothing. It's a mat, a ball, and a net. And working on some fields, we had a, the occasional mirror laying around. You might be able to put a mirror in front of you. Um, but people got better. And we had some really good players come out of program. Sean Foley and I ran there in the early 2000s. Uh, you know, Mike, like Mike Ligick spent his winters in there hanging out with us. Uh, Ryan Corbin, all these young, young kids that are now, you know, uh, older and, and turn on Turned going on to be professional or, or very good players. So a lot of good players come out of that environment. And now I look at what we have here at Burl Oak, and it is better. It is better. There's way more feedback. Um, there's we've got the, the 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 fitness here, Dr. Jeff Sweeten. You can get your clubs tweaked on site if you need to bend them. We got a, you know, we can get a, a shop in the back. So the service is under one roof at roof, and the feedback and the change we can make is faster. Um, and it's it's great that people are embracing it. You know, it's uh, it's busy here, and it has changed. And I think the expectations of people have changed. I don't think people are up for going into a dark, you know, darker space, hitting into a net mm-hmm. when when they know what's available to them. Indoor golf in the GTA certainly has really taken off, and it's great. It's much better than it used to be. Well, I think it's exploded all over North America, and but mm-hmm. but be, and and, we, and I want to get into your facility. But you just said something interesting. I used to come into that space in Glen Abbey. By the way, that noise you hear is the sound of somebody pounding balls into a screen about fifteen feet from Sean. And and actually, the ball is probably hitting a screen about six feet to my right on the other side of the wall. <laughs> That's right. At about 150 miles an hour. No, exactly. I think so. it's hilarious. I just want, just want to listen to like, yeah. is that is Sean being attacked? <laughs> um, but we all, I used to go to that place in, at Glen Abbey. It was basically where the carts, it was a cart barn. And and as you say, it was just nets and a, and I would, I, and I found it useful uh, that was before I discovered, you know, hitting balls into my drywall. But but there was no feedback other than there was one bay that had like a little simulator. 
But the explosion of simulator golf, especially since COVID and after, what what I want you to talk about now is how important feedback is to making changes indoors because you're not seeing the ball out in the in the sky anymore. You have to judge it based on the data that you receive. Yeah, I mean, and there's there's so much data, but in the in the lessons, like a lot of instructors now are using one of the the you know be a foresight track man whatever it is so the students do get used to you know taking the lessons and, and understanding that their path is x and the coach wants it here and their tendency is to get leave the face open and we want it here so the students you know i think are getting better at understanding what our good attack angle path and face and smash factor and all that stuff uh but now it's more affordable for them to be able to get that feedback between lessons versus they would just go into the net and they thought they were improving it. And ultimately, uh, unfortunately, you know, humans default back uh, to, to their tendency. So they're on the mat and they don't realize they're still steep. They're still flipping at it. They're adding loft. It feels good sometimes because it's off a mat. And sometimes the ball, the club kind of skids into the ball a little faster than it would if it was dirt. Um, and they don't know that for the last two weeks between lessons, they really haven't made much positive change. But they are up, they feel like they're doing something good and they're not. Um, so now, because they practice on the tech between lessons, every single shot, the bottom of the screen, they're getting that feedback. And they can work on their field and go, okay, I felt like I was inside, but it's still four out. Okay, let's try getting a little more in. And then they're going to be able to put feel and real together, I guess you'd say, and uh, match up feel and real of what's actually happening and, and make those incremental changes and hopefully get to a spot where like, wow, geez, I feel like I'm swinging a mile to the right, but I've got my pass straight now. Great. Okay. Lock that in. Might take them 10 minutes to get to that point. Uh, and then keep it going the rest of the hour and, and get, you know, 50 more reps in of what zero feels like. So absolutely. Um, students are practicing better because they're getting the feedback. And now across, again, I use the word GTA. I mean, I don't know what's going on indoor golf around the world, but around here, it seems like about every exit or two off the highway, there's an indoor golf place. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, and also in, in a good way, there's a variety of uh, service levels and prices. Like you can get anywhere from about 10 to $15 an hour up to, you know, probably 60, 70 depending on the environment you want and, uh, and the service level. But ultimately, you can get pretty affordable feedback these days. So, Well, Case, um, and you guys might have talked about it while I was, uh, while I was away answering my doorbell. Um, I think we're all kind of curious. Was that a, a FedEx delivery, an Amazon thing? When, just people randomly stopping by asking, is this where Tim O'Connor lives? <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. Ask your question. Um. Is this the time of se- is this the season when you should work on say real functional change if you want to you know shallow out your attack uh, go from being more inside that you want like making technical change is this the time of time of year that you got to do that and then set that aside once you're playing golf in season Yes yes and no yes you've got to uh break through the initial wow this feels really weird and 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 enter into that like okay i'm I'm gonna figure out how to shallow my swing and what that feels like and uh 
But set it aside, Tim. I think this is where you and I might differ a little bit. Uh, never. You never set it aside. Uh, and I know you and I have had these debates, but you, you, you can't go completely external and just visualize the target for six months in the summer. Because you know what you'll do? You'll slowly regress back to steep. Uh, and you can visualize the ball going beautifully towards your target. And in uh, April, it'll be really good. And in May, it'll be a little worse. And it's going to regress. You've got to maintain maintenance. Now, the nice thing is a maintenance program is much different than an initial change program. You're just trying to go back to the fields you did all winter. But you've got to have that ongoing maintenance. You look at the PGA Tour pros. I see them at golf tournaments, not back at their home on, when they had a two-week break. At the golf tournament, before the shot, in the tournament, doing their rehearsal feel mm-hmm. uh, exaggerated to the nth degree, mm-hmm. like like crazy rehearsal. Like feel. that thing that Justin Rose does, a thing that Spieth yeah. does. You know, all kinds of them do it. Absolutely, Norman used to do a, a real exaggerated thing yeah. where it was accumulate way steep. But has the as part of what you're talking about is that the technology has helped sort of people to understand what they're doing. I, I think in the past, I think it'd be fair to say when we would take video of someone, a lot of what we were making judgments about a swing was based on the form. Now there's better data. Speak to how that data can be used for maintenance purposes. And, and before you do, Sean, I just want to jump in and say, uh, well, we'll, we'll come back to tour players and real and all that. But, you know, what, what I think's happened to the average person because of places like yours is it used to be it was a novelty to have somebody that had track man or foresight or some kind of data gathering. And, and it was a bit scary to the average person. But I've been in your place and other places like it where people are pretty comfortable with those numbers once they know what to look for. So you were throwing around tack, angle, face, and path and all that stuff. But it's like anything else. The average person now is more comfortable with that feedback. And to your point, Timmy, I still don't like looking at my swing on video. I would much rather... Because it still looks weird. Even when I'm, you know, Case took some video of me the other day, and it was really the first time in a long time where you actually said, oh, I see some difference. But I just see, with with my video, or my swing on video, I don't know about you guys, and all I can see is the shit I'm not doing right. But that mm. data that you guys are talking about, I find it easier to absorb, and more. I think more people are comfortable with it now. Yeah, def- definitely. And uh, the... The track man is one thing and the foresight and all these, you know, expensive technologies, but there's now personal devices that you can get under a thousand dollars. You can connect them to a TV or, or a home. If you had a projector, you could make a full simulator with something for under a thousand dollars and you can bring it to the range as well. So we're starting to see way more often, not just, you know, renting these simulators. We're seeing people just bring their own little sim in a box, setting it down behind them on the range we have nets here as well. So we're not a full SIM facility. We have, we have six nets and those nets uh, for, for those that, uh, you know, want to save a little money, they can bring in their own tech and plop it down. So there's all kinds of options and ultimately they all produce the same numbers. Some maybe a little more accurately than others, but they're all giving you the path, the face, the loft, the start line, the spin rate, the, the, the height, everything. So um, yeah, it's all available to people. Um, you, you got to get the feedback though. 
and, and there's always a way around it. There's a workaround, but you've got to know what you're looking for. And in a net, personally, I could hit into a net and get a lot of the feedback I need because I know what I'm looking for. Like if I know my launch angle, for example, if I flip at it, former flipper, still probably flip a little bit, not as much as I used to. It's a lifelong challenge, right? But um, if I hit some balls into the net, I could just see where my ball hits. I right. hit 10 in a row. It'll actually put a little indentation in the net. Uh, and then I can go, okay, that's probably my like semi-flippy move. Mm-hmm. And then I can walk up to the net, Velcro a little, uh, or just take my golf glove and like Velcro my glove about six inches below that indentation. And now I'm basically working on forward shaffling for the next hour. Mm-hmm. You know, anything above the glove is my flippy move. And if I can get my hands a little more forward. So, you know, there's workarounds and good practicers over time and good instructors, to be honest, don't, we almost don't need the feedback and the machines as much. We start to be able to know the sound and, 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 and we can kind of uh, see the swing and then see where the ball hits the net and, it's almost like you got a bit more of an internal track man built in. Yeah, well, but go back to what you and Timmy were talking about in, in terms of, you know, now is the season to work on your game. And when the golf season starts, you know, like I, uh, another buddy of ours, Nick Trachilio, always said this to me. Hey, whatever you're working on, once April comes, that's it's it. It's set. It doesn't mean that you're not continuing to, to try and, you know, cement those things and to play the game with abandon but but talk a little bit sean about the time it takes now and how it can pay off once the actual season starts yeah and people just you can and and even with everything guys we're talking about all the feedback and at the end of the day people just still don't exaggerate enough but yes the winner is your opportunity to make change uh exaggerate more Get away from that steep, flippy, whatever it is, move. Be shallow. Get some compression. Get the hands forward. But people and and golfers, we see it every day in here, even within the lesson. As they're doing the lesson, we see regression if we don't stay on them. They just want to get comfortable. They want to swing faster. So you're doing the lesson. You're like, okay, we finally got, you know, the hips open and the hands forward. And you're like, okay, let's just stay there. Let's just stay there at that speed. Let's rep that out for a while. Two swings later, they just want to rip at it. And they, <laughs> That's right. They, they, you know what they'll say to you in a lesson? Can, can I just see if I can do it at full speed? Okay, let's waste the next 30 seconds. Go for it. Yeah. Like, what are you going to do with your next rep? But most people want to regress and uh, test it out. It's the Paul Doolin, uh, let's uh, let's open the oven door to see if the cake's baked yet. Let all the heat out of the oven. Let's just like. Another guy, that. another guy you interest, introduced to me. <laughs> and me. Yeah. We're constantly trying to just get people to just immerse themselves in doing quality repetitions. Don't right. open the oven door. Just keep doing it between now and April. You, you, for most people, it's like you can't exaggerate enough for most of them. It's like you struggle just to do it, let alone thinking you can do it too much. Okay, yes, there's the occasional person that can do it, overdo it, but we don't see that very often. So that's the biggest challenge. But thankfully, the feedback helps, guys. You know, we can... You know, it's instead of having this debate with your student, you're not doing it enough, do it more. It's just like it's on the screen. It's they, they can they can see it. And you have a conversation, but there's really the three of you in the conversation. It's you, the data and the instructor or in the, in the student. And I think it holds it holds, uh, you know, it's accountable, if you will. It's, like, sure. it's OK. There's this this device we trust. And uh, 
in the past, it was tough because when you're just you and the student, you'd be like, you're not doing it enough. And they'd look at you and you're trying to get them to buy in and believe you. Uh, and sometimes they did. They're like, no way. They're like, I for <laughs> sure didn't flip it that one. And then you, so you're trying to, now it's the machines help uh, get the buy in, I guess you'd say. Sure. But yes, we need to do this more. But yeah. uh, Case, I'm going to yeah. run an, an analogy by you that doesn't have specifically to do with golf to start, but I want to see if you see some similarities. So uh, one of the things that I built into sort of my routine of my days, because I, I work mostly from home in the winter, is I, I come into my office, I have a little physical routine that I do, and then I'll put on my bass guitar and I'll usually practice two songs that that we're working on. And so the desire is to play the song at full speed and you know once I've kind of learned it. But what I've come to understand is that that learning curve takes a long time. And so what I'll do is, so I always practice with a metronome so that i am got the beat, you know, Obviously, as a bass player, you have to be on rhythm. I always want to speed it up. But if I do it slowly and I do it, I, and if I do sort of this particular run on the on the bass, about 10 to 20 times a day, it takes weeks until I own it. And then then I can just play. And, and then I can be more musical with it. I can have accents, different things, make it more music than just, get hit the right notes. I know that was a long-winded thing, but how does that analogy work with golf or does it? I think it does. And, uh, you know, everybody wants to get to the playing the music and making it sound good. And, and just kind of, again, maybe we talked about going external, but when you're just in a play state and you're just, you know, rhythm and timing and just having some fun with it. But like you said, it's like early on, you've got to go slow and kind of build it in almost in pieces. Um, I think of that book, uh, in coil, uh, talent code. Yes. Thank you. Uh, you know, there was a chapter or some section called chunking. Yeah. You know, chunking deliberate which, practice, which is kind of neat for golf, but it's like chunk your way to better. Yeah. But, uh, exactly. you're, 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 you're chunking, uh, the process into bite-sized chunks and you're probably got to go a little slow. It's like, all right, let, let's do this. Then let's do this. Like I recommend a lot of my students when they're working on the swing in the winter, it's like they look at me and they're like, I can't do these four things you want me to do in one swing. I'm like, no, you can't when you do it at full speed because mm-hmm. it's like 1.1 seconds. No human can do think of four things in that time. I'm like, make your golf swing take 10 seconds. And then you focus on the first thing for two and a half seconds and the second thing we're doing. You, you, you pay attention to your takeaway. You stop. You feel the top. Where am I? Am I? Tilting the okay, fix the top, start your downswing. Am I shallow enough? Is my pressure getting into my lead foot? You know, am I pushing off the ground? Are my hands forward and impact? Like go through the swing however slow you need to. As you said, Tim, maybe a metronome will help, but we'll do something to make sure your timing is slower. And then you can get the first thing, get the second thing, get the third thing. And someday you'll be able to just run it and just do it do the whole thing in 1.1 seconds have it all flow together with rhythm and timing and grace and have it look beautiful but i think uh i think it makes a lot of sense tim with the way that you're doing your music thanks well it it takes an investment an investment in time and basically where where i think you have to as a student of anything that you're if you have aspirations of something then then there's got to be a realize of the time invested 
and it's really interesting. I'll uh, here's my first mention of Fred Shoemaker today, but um, I I was on a I got an exchange of information with Fred and our friend our late friend George McNamara, and Fred talked about how we fool ourselves into thinking we have something when we don't. And he talked about trying to work on something in his own game. He was trying to change his golf swing, I think, his backswing by an inch. And he would he would look at a mirror, and then he would also do a video, and then he'd think, I got it. And think he could go into a game and play. He doesn't have it. Mm-hmm. It takes weeks and weeks and weeks. So I guess it kind of depends, folks, on, on what do you want out of your game? If, if you want... If you have that high aspiration, well, you've got to understand what it takes to get there. Well, well, while you were gone, uh, Tim, answering, uh, I don't know, the Avon lady. Um, it was Mary Kay, actually. So what we talked just quickly, Sean and I talked about the uh, many different ways we've attacked my golf swing in 10 years. And I'm not kidding. Like, I saw Sean, we, Sean went out for uh, lunch a couple weeks ago. And um, just before we went, Sean said, here, let me have a look at your swing. And I really wasn't that. I said, listen, dude, I'm not here for a lesson. I said, you know, you don't know, let's have a look. And it literally is the first time in how long have you been watching me swing a club that you could say, oh, there's something different. And it's something that we've been working on, forget weeks, for a long yeah. time. But you know what happens is. I go, I, I go after it. I stop. I get it carried away, and then I want to swing it at full speed. But um, just talk a little bit about that, about how many reps we've done together to get to the point we got to, or you saw a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I, and to be honest, Howard, it surprises me a little bit, taking a little bit of a shot at you here. But for how take hard a shot. You, go ahead. For how hard you work, yes. and how much you are interested in improving and doing the right things. On the technical side, I feel like for the amount of reps you put in in your your little cave you have at your house, whatever you got there, <laughs> golf lab, your golf Three. lab, golf Sorry, lab, the golf, the golf lab. you know, it does surprise me sometimes when I see you that you are um, how kind of happy you are with the small incremental gains and in maybe how much less you are sliding, right? And I I just think you need to set the bar higher, like for yourself. In the, in the expectation of and maybe what you need to do to get you know less slide and actually push up and open your hips instead of just lateral 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 which you you and many golfers from your era have and had uh you know if we look at lots of the golfers from your era by the way i mean it's, it's not your fault it's, no, it's basically know. if you just watch the best and by the way your you're, era, gonna, you're gonna get to my era at some point too okay <laughs> Okay. No, and I don't. By the way, you're making a fair shot because the amount of time. But what what you describe is, I thought I was doing it right. A couple of times I've seen you on the range and said, "Hey, coach, I'm really doing it right now." And you're like, "Not really. Keep going." No, yeah. no I'm going to interject. In yes, here go because, ahead. So it's like our our good friend Doctor Ed. He says that change is a bitch. Oh no! It's it absolutely, so is. hard. No, it's I'm but, so but, but, hard. But, I mean, but, this is the universal. This is the universal challenge I think that golfers have yeah. is that they have a certain we'll call it, you know, the for me, it's the the dead left swing. Like every once in a while, that's that sucker's left of left on a line in the farmer's field. But and, yeah, you're right. We all have tendencies, but I, I want trying I, to change those things is so hard. But but Sean's right. I had gone after it pretty, ha- pretty hard for a long time and still wasn't making any effective change. Is your point right, Sean? 
is, and maybe maybe it is the the feedback and what you're looking for. And like you said, when you look at your own golf swing, maybe you don't see it for what it is. Sometimes right. our eyes go to. So I'm not sure exactly what it is or was, Howard. But I know the last time I saw you, it was drastically better. Right. So you were like slightly less slide, slightly less slide, but so slight, so slight that it's just like, man, are we ever going to get to where it's you know good? Right. Uh, it just wasn't really getting that much better. Uh, and then this time it was like, okay, now I'm encouraged. I think you might actually do this <laughs> no, someday. I, no, I, I know. think You're someday right. you might actually push off the ground and, 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 and fire your bod- lower body better and properly uh, to shallow the golf swing essentially with your lower body. So you're not saving it with your hands and arms, but I think you're going to get it now based on what I saw the other day. Something's changed in you, obviously, in the way you're practicing it. And it's, it's exciting. And that's what every student needs to do. You got to have these breakthroughs where you sure the aha moments and, and you really start changing it and tim's right by the way that you know change is hard we're all right listen we've said it a thousand times and we're going to wrap up here quickly but you know i've said it on this show we've all talked about it individually together that if anyone really knew the the what it takes to you know i don't want to discourage anyone but it takes a lot to move a little bit and 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 even, but it's not impossible, and uh, and maybe I went after it different ways or whatever it was. But um, with a lot of golfers from our era, Tim, you know, we we got away with um, good hand eye coordination. You know, there, you know, I could I could never touch my golf swing again and be a scratch golfer for a long time. But I just couldn't do it under pressure, and whatever pressure that is for somebody, that's why I wanted to make this change. Um, let's quickly uh, mention that Burl Oak Indoor Golf is where Sean has uh, set up shop. And it really is. I mean, I've sampled some of the other stuff around the GTA. A lot of people listening have gone to different places. But I've taken some people, two different people in particular, to your place in the last month. And they're just blown away by it. It's like no other place. And we're not just saying this because we're buddies. You know, it's it's like uh, if you're a golfer and a golf nerd You've got to try this place out. It's just because the service is different. The environment's different. You've got 10 guys teaching there. Some of the best teachers in the city are there. What other attributes would you like people to know before we say uh, so long? Um, Off the top of my head, I mean, we've we've got a stock pro shop now. So trying to provide the sales side as well. Club fitting. We just added Ping. We had TaylorMade and Callaway. We've got Ping now as well. Uh, full uh, service repair shop. If you need new shafts, we can reshaft. Re- obviously, the basics of regripping, bending, and all that. But we can actually build golf clubs in the shop, so it's a full shop. Um, Doctor Jeff Smeaton does the TPI. Uh, you know, certified. He, he's certified, so he does all your golf training. And then we also have a massage therapist uh, that's here on the days he isn't. Um, yeah, we have run leagues. If you want to come and compete, we run uh, golf events. Uh, we do room rentals where we got lots of, not lots, but we've got starting to get some people coming in and, and bringing their company and staff and doing, playing up some holes and maybe having a little clinic and doing some, uh, some events. So, um, and of course you mentioned it, just the instruction. I think the main thing that maybe separates ours from other environments is the amount of learning. And you can just tell when you walk in that everybody you're trying to get better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's uh yes, there is a component of play. People just play in 18 holes at Pebble beach on the sim and have some fun. But I think uh, that's you see that everywhere. Our our environment is uh, there's a 
a lot of people trying to get better. All right. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I equate it. I'll jump in. I equate it to uh, yours is kind of like the Orange County of indoor golf. That's right. So Orange County. Orange County National. That, that's that, you know, 360 round range. You just go there and it's like this is a place where people come to get better at golf. Absolutely. They're working on it. So that same atmosphere. Plus, you got really good coffee. <laughs> hey, um, and uh, and and I'll tell you why you've got Sean Casey, which is no and small big thing. Windows. That's right. It's big, very bright. Windows. So some of these places are dark and gloomy. Your place has like airy ambience. It's very nice. And uh, by hey, the way, guys. Case, uh, I got my uh, grips changed there because I wasn't changing my irons this year and. Casey sent me a video because I wanted to change the grip on my putter. So this dude sends me a video of him holding up different putter options for me or putter grip options. That's the kind of service at Burl Oak Indoor Golf. Thanks, my friend. There you go. I'll, uh, I'll try and come and see you before I uh, leave for a couple months. You're a good boy. Talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Yeah, it's the sound of, sound of Timmy has the sound of more balls being rifled into a net. That's hilarious to me. Thanks, Case. See you later, man. Hey, fella. Just there you go. Um, yeah, it's funny. I've been uh, taking lessons from him off and on for a long mm-hmm. time. Same thing. Working on the exact same thing. Totally get it. Um, and I would go away from it thinking, you know, I would think two things. Okay. I think I've got this. He'd see me on the range. And he's so... Um, you know, Casey's one of those guys. Like, he's very hard to be critical of me because he knows I, you know, he, he knows I work really hard. Blah blah blah. He's diplomatic. Well, more than that, he doesn't. You know, he's like that with everybody. But because uh, because he did say to me, uh, he's so funny. Because while we're having lunch, he said, "Listen, man, I've seen you a bunch of times in the last couple of years, and you had you made zero. <laughs> he said, he said you you made no progress." <laughs> and, uh, because, you know, I played a tournament with him every fall. And so I played this tournament last fall and I played pretty good. And I shot somewhere in the mid seventies and, you know, I didn't hit it great. Didn't hit it bad. But he said, even that tournament we last played, he said, I didn't want to say anything, but you know, you hit it good, but not, you're still sliding and doing all this other shit. But it, <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it, sometimes it's good to hear that. Cause it stings. I remember, you know, Ben Kern years ago, um, I think he asked me what my handicap was. And at the time, I think it was an eight or a nine. He goes, really? You should be way better than that. <laughs> oh, thanks, pro. But I, I'm, I don't know about you as a coach, but me as a uh, spiritual leader, I'm always hesitant yeah. to, um, with, my, with my devotees, I'm always hesitant to talk about the process because I love the process. And what he said there. And I own it. Like he said, you know, he, he basically said the same thing. Considering how much work I was doing, he thought I would have been better at that particular thing by now. But the thing with me is I went away from thinking that was a priority, which, mm. which the reason I went back at it this year is because under any kind of pressure, the biggest tournaments I played in last year, that slidey flip left move always showed up. And I just wanted to take this winter to finally rid myself of it or at least cut it down a little bit because we did grow up in an era where the golfers that we admired, Nicholas Weisskopf, Swing, uh, Johnny Miller had the big push left and the reverse C. And, you know, it's hard not to do that anymore. 
So I feel weird like saying to guys, like, you know, if you knew how hard it was, you'd never bother. But on the other hand, the caveat for me is it's not too hard, but just accept it's going to take a while. Yeah, no, totally. But a lot of these things that you talked about just there, they're imprinted on us. Yes. And it's like it happens at a subconscious level. And making a change to anything that that's that's that deeply rooted, whatever kind of behavior it is, like Dr. Ed said, behavior change is a bitch. It's so hard. But also it takes people sometimes it takes different people different amount of time, different environments for things to click in. It just it just does. And, you know, some people, you'll whatever concept you give to them, whether it be golf or, or anything else, someone will get it in weeks and another person years. And it isn't because they're deficient. It just means that often it's because of their their upbringing and their approach to things and, and how they think about stuff. And it, it just it just takes a while. And also, it, to, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I, I'm done. No, no, you're not done. I, I, go ahead. Finish. Well, it's just we have these behavior patterns that we have followed since we were children. All kinds of different ways we relate to the world. And so that's why when people want to make changes in something like golf, whereas you you don't have conscious control of what happens, in essence, in your downswing. You can do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. You're not, you ain't controlling that. You, you. No, I agree. And one of the things that, you know, we, I don't want to contradict Eight years of doing this show, and I've said it a million times. You can't golf swing your way to lower scores. Right. You know, I'm still a decade guy. I still strategically will follow that model forever. But there are certain things, you know, and Casey and I would, would, would have the same debate with you that we had, you and I, two weeks ago, which is, you know, when I talk to you about, hey, even if it's in meditation, you, you need to practice it. Mm-hmm. You can't just decide that you're going to have enlightenment. You have to, <laughs> yeah. You have to have a spiritual journey, and in golf, the spiritual journey is, you know, the legendary Hogan's digging it out of the dirt. What happened to me is over time, you know, I would try this out for a while and maybe get a little bit of it, and then hit, hit still hit it pretty good at whatever way I was swinging. And Sean said something to me last uh, two weeks ago. He said, you know. Basically, you never get rid of your your what you just talked about, the way you were brought up, your your foundational imprinting. What you can do, though, is you can put new behavior on top of it, both um, from a psychological standpoint and also a physical standpoint. Like I, I do a lot of slow reps that doing this thing. I've been doing this winter to help me slide less. But whenever I go full speed, my my normal my golf swings there, my old swing is there. So it's it's hard not to, you know, you get a few good feels and then you want to see how it feels at regular speed and then. But that's not the way to do it. It's it's um, it's almost counterintuitive. We all once we get a little bit of taste of whatever, we want to see how it feels like if we had to hit a shot. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you right now, well, that's like that's looking yeah. in the oven too early, right? Absolutely, I love that. My God, isn't that wonderful? That, well, that's it. That's it. We all want to look in the oven to see if the cake's done. But yeah. but the the idea is to love the process of baking it so much you won't open it too early. Like I'm going to mm. play around to golf. Uh, I'm heading out um, the next time we record. I'll be in Mexico. Like I don't know what's going to happen. 
in that first round. But I know my old golf swing is more likely to show up than this new feeling I have. But I've, you know, I said to Sean, I'm sort of committed to a couple months of kind of hitting it not great all the time while I see if I can imprint some of this new feeling. Mm-hmm. We're into an interesting, interesting area because what the the thing that to me is is where uh, people find behavior change so hard, whether it's changing their golf swing or the way they react under stress or whatever is is how they draw from their own experience. And what my the trouble I have sometimes with what well, I'll call traditional golf instruction is, hey, pal, do it this way, swing this way, and you'll cure swinging from over the top. So what traditionally happens is the person thinks of what, what you know Joe Golf Pro said, and am I doing it right? Again, we've talked about this for eight years. They're thinking about it all the time, looking, and am I doing this right? And where where I take a degree of issue with it is that what happens is when I'm thinking, I'm not in my own experience. So I may not feel that I'm coming across the top. And so what I what I find has helped me in my game is is and in all different parts of my life, is experiencing what's actually happening. So it takes me out of so much of the of the the thinking part of it. And more in the experience. So I feel what's happening. Now, it doesn't mean I discount what I know is intellectually the right move. Right. But when I experience it, then I get to, uh, I, I find that that's a quicker route to owning it. And you know, Timmy, I think, I think you're sort of saying what Sean was saying that if you want to make, if there's three or four things, let's just take a couple that are, that are, you're working on it. You want to you want to change in your golf swing. If you slow them down, right. really slow them down, then you are experiencing exactly hundred percent. And I and I think you're both saying like, in order to make any kind of change, you have to slow things down, or you have to break them down before you can build them back up. Um, I was saving this quote. Uh, I was listening, reading a, an article this morning on Max Homa and talking oh, about yeah. what a different guy he is then we all think he's just sort of a jokey, jokey guy. But in reality, he's a very intense, um, kind of eclectic dude. And he has this quote because he was talking about rebuilding his game. And, and to Sean's point, um, during the interview, the uh, writer noted that at on any given time that Max Homa had a down second, he was doing something with his arms like making pant, like miming a swing move. And the writer said, what's that? He goes, oh, I call that opening the, the door or something. But he's literally thinking about that, his, his swing in sort of an abstract, but a very exaggerated way. But here's the thing I picked out. And this is a great, this sums up um, golf change in, in a nutshell. And it's called the Stonecutter's Creed. You ever heard of this? No. The Stonecutter's Creed. Look at a stonecutter hammering away at his rock, perhaps a a hundred times without as much as a crack showing in it. Yet at the hundred and first blow, it will split in two. And I know it wasn't the last blow that did it, but all that had gone before. And, And for most golfers, we just won't stay there long enough to get to the hundred and first blow at the stone. And that's why... At 10 or 20 reps of something, you go, this, is fucking, this feels too weird. I don't do this. Exactly. Totally. And I'm as guilty as anyone. 
you know. Yeah, the, but you and and but that's interesting. Here you are, like you're a guy who's been a scratch, a plus, and that look how difficult it is for you to stay on point, if yeah, you will. Exactly. Stay with your intention that I'm going to work on this. Uh, man, it's it's. It is so hard. <clears throat> I remember our friend uh, George Durrani, uh, you know, who uh, former chair of the Mankind Project, and all that. It, it just goes against our desire as humans to control our experience. <clears throat> I'm going to put in, you know, I, I want this, to, <laughs> I want this to happen. Yeah, and we think we have control, and we really don't. We we really don't, and it just takes so long. I'm going to because I've. I've actually swung a golf club for more than an hour once since October. Uh, just the place that I've been coaching, it's not ready yet. And so anyways, what I'm getting to, I've been playing far more music. And to keep with sort of that analogy, so there's one song we're working on with the lovely title of Nice and Sleazy. Mm. <laughs> Which reminds me, I've licked my love pump up. Okay, from all right. Tap. Thank you. But Thank anyways, you, Mr. O'Connor. Yeah, um... There's a part in that song which, even though I've practiced this bass line for two years, what, practicing with the with the band, I was always get a beat behind after this part, and I just couldn't figure it out. And I finally figured it out when I broke it down to, like, instead of ba da ba da ba da da da, I changed it to ba da ba da ba da da da. Then I could finally hear the extra note. Right. It took slowing it down to almost nothing until I could finally hear that extra note and went, there it is. And that's two years. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and um, so now I've now it took a while to practice to, to slowly speed it up over weeks and weeks, months. And now I own that change now. But that's. What it takes, I believe, in I think this the things are so similar in 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 the investment we have to make and and in that amount of patience. Well, that is a great word for it. Um, can you make the investment? And that's what I mean about do you really want to make a change? Like, oh yeah, that's There's the point. You know, question. like, do you really want to? And I guess that's the word I should use when I say to people, if they knew what the investment was. And I've invested quite a bit, obviously, but this winter in particular, and and that's why for the first time in many, like I see Sean at Rattlesnake and I hang, I hang with him a little bit. He hasn't really taught me much in a, in a while, like in a formal sense, but if I'm on the range, he'll come over, we'll shoot the shit. He'll take a couple videos and send it to me and he just does it. But we haven't had an actual formal lesson in a while. Mm-hmm. But after, so I made an investment and in, okay, could I slow this move down? And figure out another way. And, and, and even with that, I don't get like this I, the analogy of the stonecutter hammering away at this rock. Like that's golf, man. Like, can you hang in long enough to get enough hammer shots at it? And, and I'm going to tell you, it's hard because yeah. we all just want to swing fast and hit the ball far. And, you know, sometimes with my normal clunky move, you know, I can do okay. And yeah, I'll say what I mean, like a lot, you know, and I've had this conversation with my buddy who's also trying to make some swing changes. I go, you know, I I shot 67 last summer. What am I expecting? Like, Mm -hmm. how much better do I want to get? But it's not the 67s that is is what I'm looking at, because that can happen. We can all have a good round. 
What I'm looking for is to make some fundamental physical motion differences. But to your point about Fred Shoemaker, like if I can get this one inch better or just a couple degrees better this year, that'll be amazing. Like I don't expect to have this perfect, but I am committed now to just knocking away at it until the stone cracks. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I'll just, just uh, uh, challenge what you said to a degree. So that's golf. What I would say is that's aspirational golf. Yes. If you're just, if it's, you're happy to go out and hit and, uh, hit the ball pretty well, fine. But if you're aspiring to something, that's something else. And it reminds me of that saying, um, I forget where I heard it, but I love it. It says, you're not good enough to get mad. <laughs> yeah, we've said it a like, bunch of times here. You know, but it's like, but like, you're also not good enough to get, you You don't practice enough to get mad. You don't practice, you, you, you have no, you have no, I'm not, right's not the right yeah. word because obviously it's a perspective thing. But if you're getting angry that you're not hitting these soft draws that you want and you're investing zero time, yeah, uh, then, then, then you need to take a look at why you're playing. But I would challenge you. I'm going to reverse the challenge now and say that <laughs> most golfers are lying if they say they don't want to get better. I don't know. Very, I, don't, I, don't, I know very few guys, men and women, that aren't as somewhat aspirational even – and now to your point, even though they don't practice and uh, that phrase, uh, you know, that that was a Robert, that was my Robert Dameron story when I played with him. Uh, we were playing at the National and I was getting all pissed off. And he said that oh, to me, right. he said, you're pretty good, but you're not good enough to get this mad. And that was from a tour player. But um, that's what's weird is that some people secretly want to get better, but they do nothing. Mm hmm. To that end. I mean, ultimately, come the golf season, which is only a few months away, you know, ultimately, we're all going to stand over a ball at some point and have to make a golf swing. And whatever shows up, shows up. I mean, that's the, that's the, you know, pre-acceptance, Charlie Fitzsimmons. Can you let it go in that moment and not worry about what you did all winter? You know, and that's part of the challenge for a coach like you is, hey, dude, you've spent a hundred days repping this move, but it's the, you know, the Ontario uh, senior am qualifier now. And all that isn't, that's done now. Now you got to hit this drive on the dog leg. You got to play golf now. And, you know, but to Sean Casey's point there earlier in the show, you you know, you see everybody on tour, they're all rehearsing something, a feel, a motion, <laughs> But yet they get over the ball and why they're tour players is they get over it and they're able to let it go. And maybe yeah, that's their I, big separation. Yeah. And, and and I remember you brought this to my attention a couple of years ago. It's like they know that when they rip at it, there's a potential for it to go a mile into the woods. <laughs> but that's right. they're not going to they're not going to slow it down. If it's going a mile in the woods, you know, they want a mile and a half. In yeah, the they're going to go with gusto. Exactly. That, and, and that is such a key thing. Uh, and that's, again, a hard thing for an aspirational golfer to get his or head around is is getting past the thinking that I have to try to think about doing this thing right. And that's where case that's where case thinks that he and I like I use the word semantics last time is I think it gets lost in a bit. I think we're essentially talking about a lot of the same things. To me, it's like once you're playing golf that again 
if I'm thinking about, and I'm on the you know the the fifty at Blue Springs, and I got water in front, all this kind of, and I'm thinking about what I need to do to shallow it out. Yeah, yeah, it's too late. Uh, I'm done. Oh yeah, and that's what you see a lot of amateurs do. They're not able to. Like, it's fine. Have a a rehearsal move, part of your routine. Have a swing thought. Even the big mental coaches we talk about, they'll give you a swing thought. But if that is too technical and you're not able to assimilate it into your motion, it's not going to do you any good. And, you know, again, that's why, you know, now back to the indoor golf theme of today's show, you know, now's the time to do it. There are no consequences. But as Shawnee said, you know, do it with some feedback. Shawnee, oh Shawnee. I, I haven't heard Shawnee since my own. I, mean, I don't think I've ever before. said that in my life. But I mean, I have affection for the guy, do, um, I, as I do for you, sir. This is uh, we got to go. We're done. Uh, Tim O'Connor's uh, blog is changing. We've got new information coming your way. In the meantime, check him out at O'ConnorGolf.ca. Uh, the Humble and Fred Show. We're now into our winter season. Fred's going to be in the Dominican. I'm going to be in Mexico. And uh, the next time I record with you, I will be in uh, Puerta Aventuras, which is near Cancun, for a month. Technology, yeah, oh yeah, man! Our worlds. You have no idea. Um, and uh, thanks, as always, to our good friends at TaylorMade Golf. TaylorMadeGolf.ca. Check out the full line of TaylorMade products and the Stealth now available. And uh, as we say, it's uh, shiny. <laughs> <laughs> and make ball go far. Make ball go far. See you next time, kids. Yeah.